because we got the alternative energy right. molecular free autonomy and welcome to the radioactive show produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the community radio network hello and welcome to another edition of the radioactive show produced on Wurundjeri land otherwise known as Melbourne the Walkadjera walkabout has just finished its 5th year since 2011 it's a month-long walk led by traditional owners, which goes from Waluna to Leonora in remote Western Australia, passing by Toro Energy's Waluna Uranium Mine proposal and Cameco's proposed uranium mine at Uliri Station. The walk describes itself as a collaboration of Aboriginal and non-Indigenous people and as a moving community protest against the developing uranium industry in the region. On this show, we hear a report back from three young walkers, Reuben, Mills and Opal, who were able to join me in the studio in Melbourne to reflect on their first walk. They reflect on their experiences learning on country from traditional owners and how they drew links between the struggle in remote WA and other activism that they're involved with and also their personal experiences of the joy and challenges of walking in a mobile community for an entire month. First, though, we'll hear some clips from an interview with Kato Muir, a traditional owner and leader of the country travelled by the walk. He's been organising the walk since they began in 2011. These recordings were made by Radshow producers who partook in the walk in 2013, and indeed you can hear the sounds of steps in the recording. We hope to make contact with Kato again shortly to get his updated thoughts on the walks and broader movement of sovereignty. However, he's a very busy man. So in the meantime, listen to his views on the ongoing effects of colonisation in the region, which was led by the mining industry, and the limitations of native title, as well as the role of the walkabout in building towards Aboriginal sovereignty. The road ahead uh, takes us as we walk right now. We're about five kilometres away from our camp tonight at Table Well. And these... uh, Two places are linked together. The Agnew Bluff represents an eagle um, who's gazing back south towards its nest. And Table Well, as we walk along the road now, we can see in the distance the Table Hill, or the Tabletop. And the Tabletop's name is Gubrida. And Gubrida represents a eagle's nest. And so we're walking through Eagle Dreaming Country um, from one uh, important site to another. The original settlement of this uh, country was driven by the mining industry where we're walking and this area is basically the last frontier in Australia. Um, We were settled between the 1890s through to the 1920s So mining industry has driven the uh, colonisation and settlement of this area. They went through a hiatus between the uh, probably 1940s, 1950s through to the 80s. Um, The pastoral industry became the main industry in the region. But from the 1980s onwards there was a revived uh, boom in the mineral industry and so gold mining uh, took off again, nickel mines took off 
and so a lot of the development in the region is driven by the mining industry. Um, the main employment uh, is through mining and government services and uh, you know we have basic infrastructure like uh, well-maintained roads and uh, mobile phone communications all that sort of stuff that people in other parts of the country take for granted but a lot of that uh, basically comes from um, the needs for uh, the mining industry so prior to um, the mining industry picking up these issues uh, we lacked uh, these services so there's the positive side of that um, the alternative of course is uh, we've got a Swiss cheese landscape of uh, open cuts uh, mining pits all across the landscape and um, uh, it sort of does cause a great deal of concern for people, especially when you have um, sacred sites uh, being damaged and destroyed by mining operations. You know, it, we basically have no right to say no to development on our land. We have no rights to say no to the exploitation of resources of our land. And the limitations of the Native Title Act say that uh, we do not actually have ownership of uh, minerals and resources on our land. Now, each one of those are sovereign rights, and they're sovereign rights that have not been uh, given up in any uh, quarter of Australia through treaty through conquest and certainly not uh, as a result of uh, settlement of an empty land. Well, this uh, walkabout is one of it. Uh, what we're basically doing is bringing all the family groups together to um, walk for country um, and in walking we're maintaining the, the argument or the proposition that this is beyond native title. It's not about native title. It's about us as Aboriginal people um, uh, taking direct action um, through following in the footsteps of our ancestors, making new tracks of our own, uh, walking towards Aboriginal sovereignty. Kato Muir, a traditional owner of the country travelled on by the Walkajira Walkabout, which has just finished its fifth year of walking this year. Now we'll turn to an interview in the studio with three first-time walkers to hear about their learnings on country from traditional owners like Kato. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to reach Auntie Vicky or Auntie Sandra, who travelled the duration of the walk for this show, but hopefully we'll hear from them in coming weeks. For now, let's hear the reflections and musings of Mills, Opal and Reuben. So joined in the studio today, we have three walkers from the Walkajira Walkabout 2015. In the studio, we have, if you want to introduce yourselves. I'm Mills. Um, I just turned 21. I was 20 on the walk. 
I am from wherever my pack is. I'm Ruben and I live in Melbourne at the moment and I grew up in Melbourne. I am Opal and I grew up on the Sunshine Coast uh, but was born in Israel. Cool. So thanks for coming in. You've all recently finished the uh, walk this year. What was the route for the walk? Well, it was in WA Mm -hmm. and um, it took us two days to get to um, Waluna, where we started, which is uh, about one and a half thousand k's north Mm. of Perth. Um, And then we walked from Waluna uh, along... There is a highway that goes straight from Leonora to our destination, but we walked along all the back tracks and... Via Yaliri. Via Yaliri. And um, some ghost towns. Yeah, Mm. it's kind of like a tour of both radioactive proposals and important indigenous sites and uh, old mines as well. Mm. Yep. Mm. Um, Some of the tracks that we followed were also traditional um, uh, walking routes. And um, those were the dirt tracks that we were following. Um, but when we couldn't get to those, we were walking along the highway. Yep. Mm. And I think this is the fifth walk that there's been. Have any of you been on prior walks? Or was it your, Maybe we can start with you, Mills. Is it... Nope, this is my first walk. Mm. And how did you... Was it what you were expecting? Or um, I wasn't really expecting anything. Mm. I was there were definitely a lot more plants and trees than <laughs> I was expecting in the desert. But um, I don't know. I've just been wandering around, like hanging out with activists, that I've kind of learnt to just see what happens. And so I was kind of like not not thinking to expect anything. Mm. What sparked your interest in going? <clears throat> um. I went to a convergence at a blockade in New South Wales at the start of the year and a lady called June came to the convergence and she just told me all about like all these walks that she's done like around the world and she talked about this one and I thought it sounded great and then I heard about it again um, at SOS and um, I thought it sounded great and then I went. Hmm. Did you know much about the nuclear industry prior to the walk in Australia or particularly in Western Australia? No, I didn't mm. know much. I, I knew that it probably wasn't great. And that I was probably opposed to it, but I didn't know much about it. No. Yeah. And the big question, do you know much about it now? Yeah, <laughs> I know a lot more than I knew, definitely. Way more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was actually like a real chance to get involved. Like <clears throat> I thought it was would be a perfect opportunity to learn mm. about all the issues. Um because it was accessible for people from all walks of life, uh, but there was a lot of long-time uh, nuclear, anti-nuclear activists on the walk. Mm. So I was like, you know, I've always been curious and I know that there's a long history of activism against uranium. Uh, so, you know, what better chance to really get a uh, start into the issue than to be with all these people for you know, a month, mm. you know. And how did you find it, like, learning, being actually in the places that would be affected by the uranium mines? Um, I find it interesting how the people who would dig the mines and do dig the mines just have, like, no concept of how it would affect people there. Like, they just 
they just arrogantly kind of just say, oh, it's just going to be fine. We have the technology when they're mm. kind of making it up most of the time and maybe convincing themselves, but it's certainly not true. And there's a lot of just like really important land and the land is really important for the people that live there. And, you know, it's easy to neglect that when you don't live out on the country or you haven't been there, mm. but it's, you know, really special. Mm. And how about you, Opal? Do you think it's, you know, really different learning about the issue from, say, on a computer or at a forum mm. as opposed to going out to the country? I think it definitely is. Um, I've actually been involved with a number of climate change and coal campaigns um, along the East Coast. And um, the reason I actually came on the walk was because I've been um, up north um, building community awareness um, and standing up and against the big coal port that's proposed for Abbott Point there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, um, you know, a completely national campaign. There was a lot of focus on it. All the big organisations were focusing on it. Um, And for a lot of people, um, the way that they related to that campaign nationally was through um, online media, um, emails, etc., um, and I thought that, yeah, much like Ruben, that it would be a, a great opportunity to actually go onto country and learn from the people on the ground about mm. the campaign rather than online. Mm. You've been hearing from Mills, Opal and Ruben, participants on the 2015 Wokajira Walkabout, a month-long anti-nuclear learning walk from Waluna to Leonora in Western Australia. I asked Opal about how she'd bring the message back to her community on the East Coast and how broader Australia could be connected to the issues going on in remote regions. I think it's a really good question and I think that it's a question that we've struggled with for decades um, because naturally some campaigns um, resonate with a wider audience. Um, For example, with the Reef you know, it's a national icon, like you said. Every Australian wants to go there or has been there. Um, but I think a way to um, tie other campaigns in or um, make them more noticeable perhaps is tie them into that big picture. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, all the, the big organisations and the thousands of people who are campaigning against climate change should also be really focusing on uranium because there's a lot of people out there that do consider uranium a viable um, option for Mm. electricity, Mm. even. Um, And so, and if we just campaign against coal and win that campaign and then uranium comes in, we haven't really achieved much. Mm. Mm. That's, yeah. Yeah, very good points. I asked Ruben how he found walking and camping with traditional owners across their ancient country. It was awesome. Like, mm. the, for me, the best part about it was hanging out with the TOs mm. um, and just, you know, being immersed in their, you know, way of being on country. And I guess, you know, there's there's so much to learn, but... For me, it wasn't, you know, like asking them to teach me about their culture and tell me, 
you know the stories it wasn't like you know, asking in, intrusive questions although the stories did did come up and we did get a glimpse into that life and culture but it was more just seeing how Aunty Vicky treated the land and treated living on on the land and seeing how they treated us all as walkers and so you know camping with them every night it was just such a such a privilege like well it's really basically like being treated as family like mm. and and a couple of tos have said this you know like you're my family now mm. and and kind of just being around them and you know there's no kind of uh separation by reverence or you know like st- stepping back because you know we don't want to be offensive it's just like meeting another person on human terms and then just being so welcomed not only as a campaigner but just as somebody who shares you know joy for life and and um you know i think that's that's a real strength um of the aboriginal movement mm. is that they're able to you know make and maintain these strong family connections Mm. Um, which keeps them caring um, for one another over, you know, huge different distances and mm. through a lot of different issues. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We've been hearing from three first-time walkers on the Walkajira Walkabout, a month-long walk against uranium mining and for respecting sovereignty in the Goldfields region of Western Australia. I next asked the walkers how they found the experience of living in a mobile temporary community for a month. No one killed each other. (laughs) We ate food every night, Um, so it seemed to work. Yeah. It got a bit stressful at times, um, but those times were like three weeks in, and I'm pretty impressed it took that long, and we sorted it out. You know, Mm -hmm. like the pragmatic aspect of getting up and walking having a purpose every day just Mm. made it so livable that even the people that you weren't so close to and hanging around you could always have a uh, a civil and honest conversation with because you're all there one for the same reason um, because you were passionate about protecting the land and two because we're all here to accomplish something so even if we don't agree with someone's particularities then we can still uh work together in a way that we can agree on and i thought that was beautiful yeah um i think that we definitely built a a community there um during the walk i think i interacted with people that i would never have um gotten to um in my everyday life and I think that, yeah, problems were solved really well. Um, and just the sense of community that was formed was pretty incredible. And mm. to see it to see it formed too from just 24 people that met and hopped mm-hmm. on a bus together to the 24 people that stepped off that same yeah. bus. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, it's a big leap of... Um, mm. I think, you know, it's quite brave to go on those things. I've never been in an environment like that where you have every generation Mm. um, conceivable for for me, Um, Mm. all in the same space, all 
having a laugh, sharing food, doing things and, and uh, helping out and sharing stories. Like it's really, you, you have someone to talk to really at any time um, mm. about anything you want. And then there's the desert if you want to be alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite a feature of the peace movement and anti-nuclear often walks is something that um, happen all over the world. Um, how did you find the act of walking and did that connect with you personally or spiritually or, you know, make you determined around the issues um, or did you just get a bit bored? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not bored. I definitely didn't get bored. I did at points get in the support vehicle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Got a bug foot, but it was pretty good. It was, I got fitter. Mm. That was great. Um, yeah, because, you know, the fitter you are, the more clear your head is and to to get fitter and feel clearer as you like on this journey with all these people and like learning about things it kind of works eh? it fits together Mm. I um I found the walking um great actually I I was never um joining the walk for me was a bit of a rash decision um and I never considered the actual walking aspect of the (laughs) walk so I didn't do training or anything like that but I definitely, yeah, just eased into it and it was great. Um, and it was pretty special to walk along those dirt tracks with 20 or 30 or 50 other people. And um, as cheesy as it might sound, I, you know, you become one with nature and you really take in everything. Hmm. Um, and seeing the uh, wedge tails and the kites just soaring above you, checking you out. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing the landscape change, hey, like I never realised landscapes change like in kilometres. Mm-hmm. And like you'd just be like the trees would be as tall as they get in the desert and then suddenly there'd be none and then there'd be flowers. Like, And that would all happen in like a 15 kilometre walk. Like, mm. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I had a good relationship um, with June and mm-hmm. a bit of a cheeky relationship, and I was. Just, Who's June? Can you? June was uh, the seventy-five. She turned seventy-five mm-hmm. on the walk, and like just really inspired and inspiring, gung ho activist. Um, and um, I just had this thing in my head where, as long as she was going to mm-hmm. walk, I would be walking because <laughs> there was no way I'd be outdone by a seventy-five-year-old. Um, yeah, <laughs> and. Um, basically like she pushed me really hard there are a lot of times i wanted to get in the car and And i'm like i'm like june's walking i have to keep going there were a few times when she beat you yeah but then there are a few times when i beat her so that (laughs) It brings us to the end of my conversation with reuben opal and mills about their experiences on the 2015 walkajira walkabout in western australia earlier in the show we featured audio from Kato Muir, traditional owner of Yaliri area, which is the site of a proposed uranium mine and on the route of the walk. He's one of the founders of the walk and these recordings were taken while walking in 2013. To find out more about the Wokajira walkabouts, you can find them online at walkingforcountry.com or like them on Facebook. There will be another walk or two in 2016 so keep an eye on the website to see the dates. You've been listening to The Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. This show has been brought to you by Crunch. Finally, we'll go out with a song written by Reuben of today's show, 
and he introduces it for us. The song is basically something that I've taken around to or a couple of activist camps that I've mm-hmm. been a part of. Although it, I haven't done anything commercially mm. yet, um, I think a lot of people know the song. And I was teaching it to people on the walk as well. So mm. hopefully, it, you know, people will recognise it. <laughs> yeah, cool. Does it have a name? I think it's called This Land. This Land. Yeah, nice. I, I only targeted it at coal uh-huh. um, thus far. But... Yeah. Um, I'll have to add some words about uranium now. Yeah. Let's change it to ain't no room for the fuels on nuclear. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the one. That's what we were singing in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. I don't know who you are or what you want, but I have to say I'm not impressed. You want us all to burn But your lives are gonna be put to the test This land has been here for a million years Bringing love, life and wisdom From the coast to the cliffs There's precious few things That I hold more dear I'm sorry but you're just not the worst of my fears You ain't taking Smiling sweet, did you think we'd ever forgive you for this? You come in here talking money and fear, but no matter what the people say, you never seem to hear. We're saying it loud and we're making it clear. Chained up, falling in arms. You don't understand. 
Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Come and at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News. Grassroots Voices broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network.